egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to another episode of the SNL Network's Character Countdown here on the SNL Network. It's hard to believe we've done this for five weeks. We finally reached the end of the Character Countdown. Tonight, we are revealing the top three characters of all time. And if you're just jumping in right now, go back and check out the previous episodes because we had so much fun breaking down everything from 20 all the way to three. Some really fun characters, some amazing patrons. Patrons have joined us, and we have another couple tonight I'm going to introduce in just a moment. If you don't know about our patron program, you can find us at patreon.com slash the SNL network, where you yourself can join us on some podcasts talking about Saturday Night Live, one of the great perks of joining our wonderful community. And uh, come on in. It's almost September. SNL is getting very close. So very soon, over the next few weeks, we're going to put out a form asking our patrons who wants to podcast with us during season 48 for our patron feedback show. So make sure you are a part of our patron community to reserve your spot during this season. Okay. Very excited for the new season of SNL. Can't wait to get into all of that. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast about what's to come over here. What's the schedule is going to look like over the next month as we ramp our way up towards season 48. I know there's a lot of rumors swirling. Well, we'll address some of those as well, but we have business to attend to. So let's talk about the top three characters of all time. And to do that with me tonight is someone I haven't spoken to on the podcast before, but I'm so thrilled to have a part of our community. It is Will Norman. Will, how are you? I'm doing well, John. Thank you for having me. I feel uh, like I get to crash the party coming in the top three, but I'm very excited to be here. Yes, very excited to have you. Uh, for the listeners who don't know you and haven't heard you on the podcast before, uh, do you have an SNL backstory? How do you get into the show? Tell us. Yeah, so definitely. So um, I've been a fan of the show for a long time. I ended up back when I was in college, I ended up doing an informative speech on SNL. And I did a lot of research on what the show's background was and learned a lot more about how many comedians it had influenced and how much it had been a part of pop culture. And honestly, starting then, I just was started watching pretty much religiously every week. I probably am watching the live shows nine times out of 10 um, and just have loved the show. And it's fun to go back. And the fact that it's still around is pretty cool. So been an SNL fan for a very long time now. That's awesome. You are our type of person. So welcome, Will, to the, to the SNL Network. Uh, very happy to have you on. And uh, and if you're a listener of the SNL Network, you definitely know this guy. We had him on at the beginning of the countdown, and he's here to bookend us as we finish it up. It is Thomas Senna. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing great. Busy day, and this is the perfect way to end it. So excited. Yes. That's yeah. great. Well, I'm glad to hear that for sure. And if you want to hear much more of Thomas, you'll get to hear him all season long during the SNL Hall of Fame coverage uh, this coming season. So that'll be a lot of fun. Okay, so let's talk about this list that we have that we've been doing. So we put out a call about six weeks ago for anyone on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. There's a giant Facebook group of SNL fans as well that is out there. And we just said to the SNL community, hey, what are your favorite characters of all time? I don't care what the criteria is. I want to know what your favorite characters are because we can get the criteria from the podcasters. But I want to know who the favorites are, and then we'll gather all that information and figure it out, as opposed to the podcasters telling you who the favorite characters of all time. And I was overwhelmed by the feedback that we got, uh, the amount of people who voted. I think it came in just over 1,300 votes for different characters. So a lot of different people came in and voted for their favorite characters. We tallied up the results, and let me reveal them one more time from 20 all the way to, to number four. Then we'll reveal three, two, one on the podcast. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you who just missed the cut. We'll go through 30 to 21. We also tallied those results as well. So in our first show we did July 25th, we got Target Lady, Kristen Wiig's character, Colleen Rafferty, Kate McKinnon's, the ex-porn stars, Vanessa Bayer and Cecily Strong, uh, Thomas's favorites. Uh, <laughs> Nick the Lounge Singer was there uh, with by Bill Murray. Uh, Jan Hooks and Nora Don made an appearance the next week with the Sweeney sisters. Bobby Moynihan came in with his drunk uncle, Bill Hader's her Welch was next. And then we had Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd, and Lorraine Newman as the Coneheads. A trio came coming in as characters. August 8th, we did Dana Carvey's The Church Lady, Taryn Killam's Jebediah Atkinson, and the legendary Gilda Radner's Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. A couple weeks back, we had Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer coming in for Delicious Dish, Dan Aykroyd's Irwin Mainway, and Eddie Murphy's Mr. Robinson. Last week, we really hit some incredible characters with Phil Hartman's Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer, Rachel Dratch's Debbie Downer, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey's Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World, which a lot of people felt like could have been number one. But let's talk about who made the top three. We're going to do that in just a second. Thomas, we have heard your criteria for what makes a great SNL character. Mm -hmm. 
Will, I got to hear from you. What to you makes a great SNL character? Yeah, it's a great question. So I know I've heard a lot of the Patreons come in and talk about what they feel it is. So I might be kind of some retreads here, but my top ones are someone that's original. It's an original concept or an original take on someone that exists or that's relatable. Um, I think they got to be highly quotable. I think when a great writer and great performer meet, that's the best possible character. So someone that you can quote and know right away who everyone's talking about. Um, also, I think someone that's timeless, someone that as a fan of the show, you can see them getting plugged in 10 years ago, 10 years from now, that format just works for whatever the cast is. And then just to keep adding on the last one, it's just high energy. I think when people are committed to the bit and bring that energy, it's a real treat for the fans. Um, whether they show up an update or in a recurring sketch, when they give it their all, I think that makes them a, a fan favorite right away. Absolutely. Thomas, do you agree with the criteria that Will put out? Yeah, he laid it out uh, really nicely. And um, I think the jokes have to be there too. You know, we talk about like, you know, breaking through to the mainstream and quotable and everything like that. But I think ultimately it has to be pretty clever. There has to be some, you know, comedy <laughs> in our comedic characters too. So I think Will laid it out, laid it out uh, really nicely. Absolutely. All right. I love all the criteria we got, and I can't agree more with our patrons. Some very smart people talking about SNL the last few weeks. All right. Let's get into number three. Chat, I hope you are ready for this one. I saw some guesses from the silhouettes um, and different people <laughs> trying to figure out who this character was. Let's talk about a character that appeared 20 times on Saturday Night Live, including the 40th anniversary of the show. Uh, it was a breakout character of the new 95 cast and really changed the game for female writers and female characters on the show, in my opinion. We're going to get into it a little bit more by talking about the legendary... Mary Catherine Gallagher! Yes, Mary Catherine Gallagher <laughs> is here with number three uh, as the number three greatest character of all time. Um, you know... Really just known primarily for the uh, very famous catchphrase. Surprise! Yeah, we talked about how important catchphrases are to characters. Uh, you'll definitely see that tonight when we go through the final three characters. Um, we'll talk about her. I mean, she's sort of an unpopular teenage Catholic schoolgirl. Um, has some stage fright at certain moments, but uh, it seems to have this dichotomy between her stage fright and the fact that she's so competitive, kind of an egomaniac. She truly believes that she is a superstar. Um, but when it comes to social skills, she she doesn't have a lot of them because she does very weird things. Um, obviously, very well known for the, uh, you know, when she's nervous, putting her hands between her armpits and then smelling them like that. Um, and, uh, of course, we would get to see her underwear a lot when she would crash into things. So a lot of physical comedy here with Mary Catherine Gallagher that we saw uh, five times in season 21. Byrne, Edwards, Walken, McPherson, Hatcher, six times in season 22. Kudrow, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Rosie O'Donnell, Alec Baldwin, Mike Myers, Jeff Goldblum. Three times in season 23, uh, Farley, Giuliani, Wolf, uh, two times in season 24, Love Hewitt, Paltrow, twice in season 25, Jerry Seinfeld, and Hayes. And uh, yeah, Hayes was the last show for Molly Shannon. Then we saw when Molly Shannon came back and hosted the show in season 32 during an American Idol theme cold open, and then finally returned for the 40th anniversary. All right, well, Norman, what do you think about Mary Catherine Gallagher coming in here at number three? What are your thoughts on the character? So, I mean, I think definitely deserved to be in the, you know, along the top most iconic characters for sure. I think when you look at that characters we talked about before, um, the amount that stands out is just the amount of energy that Molly Shannon put into that character. Um, you know, sometimes you're, you watch like the first time she appeared and coming in just kind of a whirling dervish. Everyone's just kind of, you're watching it kind of saying, you know, what, who is this? What is this character? And she's giving you so much, so much of the performance throughout with the gymnastics and the singing and then reciting a monologue. And I think it's a great choice. I mean, I think that, you know, it's one of definitely one of the most recognizable characters. You obviously got a movie outside of the show. Um, and like you said, whenever she showed up, there's that excitement of, you know, you're about to get five minutes of just absolute energy and craziness from Molly Shannon. And she's committed. I think the best thing about that is that she's committed to it the entire time. Everyone that's within that world is kind of trying to figure her out and understand her motivations. And she is just giving it her all running through things, crashing through walls and chairs. Um, and I think it's just a really great character. So great choice by the fan for sure. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, Thomas, earlier in the countdown, I spoke about, I got to talk about Gilda Radner's Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. I mean, a lot of people talk about Gilda as like reinventing, you know, female characters on the show. I think that during this period where Mary Catherine Gallagher comes in 95 uh, with, you know, through Molly Shannon, it's really impactful and important for women on the show where we start to see, you know, Molly and Sherry and Anna, and then eventually Rachel and Tina join and, and, you know, the women on the 
show become have a more important role this is sort of like mm-hmm. the start of like women having you know a big character big moments on the show how do you feel about mary Catherine gallagher yeah uh you mentioned the time period uh, of this sketch that was a time in snl where it was big characters like the cheerleaders the roxbury guys like any name any chris Catan character it was just these outlandish big characters and i think mary Catherine gallagher popped off the screen the most out of all of those recurring big characters of that era for me mary Catherine gallagher just popped off the screen like i can't take my eyes off off the screen just it's so captivating to see you know you know the beats of the sketch but you don't quite know what she's gonna do uh next you don't know how she's gonna fall you don't know what intense monologue from a tv movie she's gonna recite these are just so much fun to watch and yeah just out of all these big characters this is the one that i didn't get tired of like like throughout its run you said it was on 20 times the show you would think by the end i would just be really sick of it and some people might be but for me you know the the, it still holds up upon upon further viewing and i really um, the more i thought about it the more i think like yeah top three top five like i'm not mad at it at all for for being top three yeah, and I did mention last week that there was very close, uh, it was like really separating, but not a lot of votes between number four and number three. So the Wayne's World, Mary Catherine Gallagher, either one could have been four or three. And then two and one were also very close as well, which we'll talk about. Um, Will, when you went back and you looked through the sketches of Mary Catherine Gallagher, were there moments that stood out to you for someone who hadn't seen this character before and maybe that they should go check out you? And what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm a big fan, I think, personally, of watching, especially with these iconic characters, the first time you see them on screen. Because, you know, as a fan of the show and you're watching, I think a common question we ask ourselves is, you know, what is this? You know, what am I watching? And it can be positive or it could be negative, right? But when you're watching her come out and she's incredibly energetic and she's, you know, just seems very innocent but very self-assured but kind of nervous as well and she's doing the weird tics. Um, and the armpit thing as well, and a little slight lick of her fingers, like all those little things that you're kind of seeing the audience figure out who she is. And then you kind of feel them starting to root for her too, as she gets through and she's doing the gymnastics and she's jumping into chairs. And I think watching her first time being on screen and bringing all that energy, um, in her first appearance, I think is always a really fun one. And I think as you go down the line, I think the one with, um, I want to say with Gwyneth Paltrow, where she's trying to be a part of the gang, I think seeing her kind of you kind of see her as a fully formed character and seeing her trying to fit in in that high school environment and putting her in different situations that she's auditioning, but in a different way. I think those are some ones that are really, that are really fun to rewatch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we did talk about the whole her putting her hands in her armpits and smelling them. Um, this one, I believe I pulled, this is from SNL 40, which is, which is a really good version of that. Sometimes when I get nervous, I stick my fingers under my arms and I smell them like that. Superstar! Yeah, it's just there, you know, this really fills all the boxes of the criteria, I think, that we were talking about over the last few weeks. The iconic catchphrases, it's quotable, um, and it really stands out on its own. And Molly, for all intents and purposes, was a fairly beloved cast member. I just really feel like this ticks all the boxes, Thomas. But for you, do you feel like this deserves to be at number three? Uh, yeah, I actually do uh, feel like it deserves to be. And I wasn't quite sure uh, before rewatching some of the sketches that are available uh, online. But after watching them, I, I, you know, had to tell myself, like, yeah, I think this is a this this is a worthy uh, number three. And as Will mentioned, the the Gwyneth Paltrow uh, sketch when when Mary Catherine Gallagher was going to join the Black Angels, that's probably my personal favorite too. Um, one that I've remembered since it aired was with Jerry when Jerry Seinfeld hosted and he played like the um, the Jewish Michael Jordan is what is what they called him. He was on the basketball team and he had a he had a love love affair with uh, with Mary Catherine Gallagher. That one stood out to me too. But uh, just Molly's commitment to performance and uh, I had mentioned you know it has to be it has to make me laugh. It can't just be something that that that's memorable, but it has to make me laugh. And her monologues, her intense monologues. I think is the, the the one thing in the sketch, the main thing in the sketch that just gets me every time. Like just how committed, how committed Molly is as Mary Catherine Gallagher, as whoever she's playing in uh, reciting while well, reciting those monologues is just so much fun. So so yes, number three. I'm 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 pretty happy for Molly uh, to see Mary Catherine Gallagher here. 
Yeah, that is an element of this character that we didn't talk about, which is like during these sketches, she will go on these like tangents almost, you know, they are monologues where she'll like, you know, you reciting this thing from a play or whatever it is. And she's just like so able to go like, uh, you know, like out of Mary Catherine Gallagher into this like direct to camera role back to Mary Catherine Gallagher. And to me, it's like very artful the way that she does it. I think there's a lot of layers to this character. Um, and I think that's probably can apply. You know, there's a few things that I think apply to all the characters in the top three tonight, which we can talk about. One is I think that they're very layered. And two, I think there's an element of physical comedy with all of them. They can't be properly described on the podcast. It's really something that you have to go and watch yourself, her throwing herself into chairs and all that type of stuff. Um, Will, anything else on Mary Catherine Gallagher for you that you think would be important for the listeners to know? I think we covered a lot of it. I just kind of want to double down on Thomas's point and just the the commitment. You know, it's it's hard to keep an audience's attention for, you know, especially now for longer than five minutes. But when Mai's on the screen, it's Mary Catherine Gallagher, and she's just so committed in each aspect of it, whether she's flipping around, she's singing, she is doing a monologue. There's no breaking. She's just committed to it. And I think that that's just something that you can really appreciate when someone just is completely into their character. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Thomas, anything else for you on Mary Catherine Gallagher? Yeah, when uh, when I was when I was uh, doing a little bit of research, I came across a really neat anecdote. Will Ferrell, um, arguably one of the greatest of all time on SNL, said that his favorite SNL memory is when Mary Catherine Gallagher debuted. Because it was early on in season 21 and they were still, you know, the cast was still trying to get their bearings and everything. And Will said that based on the audience reaction, um, that that he knew that they would be okay as a cast. Like it just put him at such ease. Uh, and he felt like that era of SNL, like they would be fine. And that's Will Ferrell saying that. And that just speaks so highly of... I guess the impact uh, that this character had for the audience, but also for like an all-time great cast member. 100%. I do feel like Mary Catherine Gallagher is the like dead mother of the other characters throughout that era. You know, like the cults, the cheerleaders, uh, the you mm-hmm. know Roxbury guys that we talked about. Like, really, this kicks off um, a lot of fun characters that we're going to get throughout those five years. Uh, just you know, whatever you think of that era. Um, okay, that is number three on the list. Uh, for me personally, I'll just say uh, I definitely expected this to be in the top five. I wasn't. No, I don't know if I would say this is three over the Wayne's World guys because I just think that had probably a larger reach. But I do understand the impact going through some of the votes. Um, I could see there was a large contingent of female voters who voted very strongly for Mary Catherine Gallagher. So for me, it's probably you know definitely boosted this. Uh, men as well voted for Mary. Kathy Gallagher, but really, um, I thought that was you know an interesting note given what we talked about with the character and Molly and being inspired by her. I think there's a through line there, so um, very happy that Mary Catherine Gallagher made it to our final show of the countdown. Okay, let's get to number character number two on the list. This is a character that uh, you knew had to be on the countdown, so I'm very excited to introduce uh, somebody who only appeared eight times on the show, but every time this character appeared on the show was just massive uh, in more ways than one. And, you know, it's it'll be fun to talk about. Don't want to spoil it without playing uh, who this character is. So let's introduce character number two. My name is Matt Foley. And I am a motivational speaker. Yes, Matt Foley, number two, comes in as the abrasive, clumsy, motivational speaker, a character that was uh, apparently created by Bob Odenkirk, uh, working with Matt Foley on this, uh, working with Chris Farley on this, excuse me, uh, debuted while Farley was at the Second City, uh, named the character after one of his Marquette University rugby teammates, who is still uh, still with us today, and, you know, the real Matt Foley is out there. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is one of those characters that absolutely had to be on the list. If you are not an SNL fan, you still know of the motivational speaker. Like this is a character that to me completely transcends the show, um, especially that first uh, sketch with Christina Applegate as the host. That is something that I think is just passed around like beyond people who even know that was from SNL. Uh, The physical comedy here from Farley, you know, some people have their gripes with it, but to me, like this is a pretty good use of what this was. Um, And just really just him coming out, always trying to, you know, his intended message is always ruined by his like just 
bizarre presentation of the character, but somehow he's always successful at convincing people to follow what he wants them to follow. So, um, you know, and obviously uh, very well known for the famous line, which uh, made it very, very far in our catchphrase tournament. Uh, this one. I'm living in a van down by the river. Yeah, that uh, lottie freaking da, uh, who, who would he freaking do? Uh, all that stuff that we got from Matt Foley. So I'm going to let the guys break this one down. Thomas, what do you think of Matt Foley coming in here? Character number two. I mean, 30 years later, living in a van down by the river, I see still get referenced on social media from people who I don't even, they don't talk about SNL on a regular basis, but just the, those catchphrases, van down by the river, a uh, lot of freaking da, just the whole, uh, just the whole thing. I think this is, this is such a, uh, an obvious choice for for at least like the top five it, it definitely uh de- deserves to be there i was 11 years old when this sketch uh first aired in 1993 and this def- this is one of like the defining comedic moments of of my of my childhood and teenage years uh was specifically the christina christina applegate uh sketch that's that's just you know and i'm i'm, a, I'm just a huge huge uh, Chris Farley fan. He he means a lot to me. He meant a lot to me growing up, and this is like definitive Chris Farley for me. I'm I'm really happy that that he's up here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Me too. Uh, Will, what are your thoughts on Matt Foley as a character? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Thomas got a lot of it. I mean, I think when you're, a, I mean, as a fan of the show, if you're trying to show somebody like what is the best possible version of an SNL sketch, like best performer, best performance, like this is in like the top obviously the top three from a character standpoint, but like, this is one of my go-to sketches I would show someone. I remember when the sketch first aired at the time I was um, probably around Thomas's age too, but I remember not, you know, being staying up long to watch the show, going to school the next day, like on a Monday. And one of the teachers was like, did you like doing the lines and talking about, did you watch Saturday Night Live? And did you see this guy, you know, fan down by the river? And it was highly quotable then, like when it was just word of mouth and not social media. So I remember hearing about it a long time ago at the time before seeing it live, but I think going to why the character is so popular um, is, is one, it's Farley, right? One of the all time greats. Um, He's giving you everything in that sketch. He is completely committed. Everyone's breaking. You got multiple greats. You got Phil Hartman in there. Who's like doing a great job is like the, you know, the, the father. And then you have Christine Abigate who's in there, like trying to mess with him and Spade obviously can't keep it together. It's just like a great, um, a great concept brought to life with great energy with a great like ensemble in it. But Farley's just like that Tasmanian devil in the middle of it, just causing ruckus. And it's just a really great character and great sketch and delivery. Yeah, it, it is unbelievable. The performance uh, that is done here, obviously there's uh, physical comedy. There's people trying to keep it together. As you said, well, I think those are elements that are really important for making this iconic. Um, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, I can compare this first sketch a lot to the first Debbie Downer sketch where we have just like this moment. It's like, where were you when you saw this sketch on SNL? To me, this is like one of the top moments of all time, the original Matt Foley sketch. But, you know, just beyond that, Thomas, is there, you know, someone who maybe have never seen, you know, this, obviously we're going to recommend the original, but what about those seven other appearances? Is there anything in there that you think that people should go check out? Yeah, there was one toward uh, the end of season 20. Um, uh, Courtney Cox was the host, but she wasn't in. She wasn't in that sketch. It was a cold open. Um, and the setting was in Mexico. And Michael McKeon played uh, the dad, Jay Moore. And I think this might be the first time we've mentioned her. Morwena Banks was also in this sketch. And uh, the first Morwena Banks reference uh, ever on the SNL Network. That's what I thought. Yes. Made, yeah. made history. So, so the setting was Mexico and it was similar. Like the beats were similar to the very first one where Michael McKeon played the dad, bringing in Matt Foley to talk to the kids, whatever. And Matt, and, and what I, I loved about it, I mean, you know, they switched it up a little bit where Matt Foley was speaking Spanish uh, uh, initially. He was doing all of his catchphrases, but like in Spanish. And I thought that was a nice kind of, kind of twist on the, on the beats of that sketch. And, um, and it's the only, uh, I think it's the only time that live from New York was uttered in a foreign language. I'm not, I'm not like a total SNL uh, stats guy for saying, but I think, I don't, I can't remember another time because uh, Matt Foley said live from New York uh, in Spanish. So like, like, I just love the beats of that sketch and the way they mixed it up and everything. Um, that, that's, but that would be another one that I recommend. It was season 20, episode 18. Interesting. 
Yeah, if anybody in the chat can think of another uh, situation where that happened, I can't right now. But if anybody can think of one, definitely let us know. We'll, we'll mention it on the podcast. Uh, Will, what about you? When you're going back and you're watching the different Matt Foley appearances, you see anything interesting that people should go check out? I mean, it's really hard to beat the original. Um, I think you go to the the one that's on later later in the seasons. Um, I think there's – it's probably – I think maybe it came back to host it. I think. I'm not sure. But um, he's – Matt Foley as a cyclist instructor. And it's kind of probably one of his later appearances. Um, obviously, there's a, they've made Matt a little bit darker in that one, I think, just in terms of his references and the things that he was talking about and kind of probably because that's where Farley was at in his life as well. But you can kind of see Farley interacting with that, the, a lot of the great cats like Tim Meadows, Will Farrell's in there, um, and just kind of doing the thing but bringing that same level of energy. It's just a fun way to kind of see. It's always nice when you see some of the legends interact with some of the later cast members, just kind of seeing how he fit in. You kind of get a feel of how he could fit in effortlessly just kind of in the air with anybody came back to, to play within the, in the cast was really cool to see. Yeah, um, definitely. And you know, that one that we're going to talk about, uh, that you just mentioned the season 22 one with Farley, obviously very close to the time that he passed. That episode is a really interesting episode to analyze. Obviously very sad that, you know, he was kind of nearing the end there and, um, you know, his, uh, performance as Matt Foley wasn't, uh, he wasn't in his prime, I would say, but, um, you know, there are some, some ones that are interesting. So we mentioned season 18 is when it premieres at the end of the season with Applegate season 19, we get it three times with a uh, Slater field Lawrence. We also get this uh, appearance during uh, Heather Locklear's uh, finale episode where it's the so long farewell to Phil Hartman and we get all the characters come out. So then we do get to see Matt Foley there uh, season 20 with uh, George Foreman and, uh, and Cox. So that's season 20. And then obviously season 22 with Farley uh, in the 40th anniversary. If you've seen that uh, Melissa McCarthy does play Chris Farley's Matt Foley during the weekend update segment. So we do get that moment as well. Um, but, you know, I guess my question is when I'm analyzing this character, and its impact and the fact that it gets all the way here to number two. Thomas, do you feel like the fact that this is a legacy character, the fact that, you know, Farley's no longer with us, is that what probably boosts it to one of the greatest characters of all time? Or if Farley was still around, do you think that it would have the same impact? I think that what what boosted it was was the, it was the strength of that first that first one, I think. Uh, let's be honest, the one with with Christina Applegate. And I do I do think that that Farley being gone too soon um, does elevate it a little bit. I think pe- people just took more time to go back and check out sketches by Chris Farley. Uh, and so maybe more people would have just made it a point to go see something like the Matt Foley sketch. Um, maybe if Chris was still around, um, there wouldn't have been that urgency uh, to go check out this character, that one sketch in particular, but I, so I, I do think that maybe um, it's lifted up a little bit because of that. Um, I don't know if you were going to ask this, but honestly, like rewatching, I actually would put um, Mary Catherine Gallagher ahead of Matt Foley, which surprised me going in because I, I always thought that I just loved Matt Foley more, but I would actually put Mary Catherine Gallagher ahead of Matt Foley, just based on like less diminishing returns. But um, uh, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about that. So, Will, uh, would you have put Mary Catherine Gallagher ahead of Matt Foley? And then maybe if you also want to get into that question of do you feel that the fact that Farley is no longer with us may have boosted this character's impact? Yeah, so great question. I I think going in, I feel the same way as Thomas. Like, I just kind of would outright have Foley, my Matt Foley ahead of Mary Catherine Gallagher. But watching, like you said, over all the appearances, the consistency of the performance for Mary Catherine Gallagher, I think – probably does elevate it probably maybe deserves to, to, to jump uh, Matt in some ways. But I'd also say like that, that original um, with Matt Foley, I mean, that is an all timer for me. I, I can watch that and still laugh. Um, Farley's I mean, probably as a performer. Um, I, I think he, I just kind of nailed it with that one. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's hard to, it'd be really hard to have done that character once and then just say, we're never going to do it again. So you get it. Um, but it was just like a really strong performance. And, in terms of how, if Farley was still around, like if that influences him, I, I do think that he was just a unique talent that I, I do feel like you could show someone 20 years from now a Matt Foley sketch and it would still be like, this is hilarious, this is really funny. And I think he the, the work that he's put, that he put in around that time, I mean, you have outside of the show, right, like a Tommy boy, same way. Like you can have that same dynamic where you can watch that now and still – it's hard to find someone who watched Tommy Boy doesn't laugh or find that funny. And like, he's just great. Right. So he was prolific in the amount of energy and stuff he put out during his time. And I think he was timeless at the same way. So 
think there's always that added benefit of not benefit. That's not the right word, but there's people are going to go back and look at things when people are gone too soon. But I still think that his work speaks for itself and that he was just a singular talent in, in the history of the show for sure. Definitely. Look, and, and I think that, um, you know, physical comedy during live sketch is difficult, especially on SNL. I think that, you know, obviously we talked about Mary Catherine Gallagher and Matt Foley. I think these two characters are very similar in terms of the fact that they're jumping around, they're breaking things. We see Foley jumping through the table. I mean, these things are moments that are super impactful. You know, it's one thing to get a laugh with dialogue. It's another thing to get a laugh with this physical jump in comedy and breaking the set and stuff like that. And the idea of knowing that, like, you know, there's there's a meta element to these sketches, right? Where it's like, we know that in the world of the sketch, he's breaking the table. But actually, in our world, it's a live show where they put a prop out that he then broke that he has to go back an hour and a half later and do the same thing over again. And how many times has he broken that table during the week? And there's a lot of fun things to think about in this performance. I think there's a lot of subtle things that don't get talked about enough with this character, including the fact that, you know, especially in that first one, where we see where he's just bending over and adjusting his belt and his like suspenders almost to the point where that's how he's talking and it's like with every um with every like cue point between the sentences he's like moving his hands accordingly and it's just like really like top tier in my opinion in terms of like just a a physical performance and i I do think that the writing is extremely strong for that first one um i would say i agree with a lot of the chat diminishing returns for the most part with regards to some of these um but i just think that the impact on top of the fact that this you know farley is just a beloved you know all-time cast member um you know and we look back you know very fondly on him um, I think that it totally makes sense to me that this is number two on the list. So for me, this is a definitely a top two or three character of all time. Well-deserved. Thomas, anything else on Matt Foley you want to talk about? Yeah, you had just mentioned the uh, there was some clever writing. And there's something that I noted that wasn't actually in that first sketch. It was when Martin Lawrence hosted and it was a straight, scared straight. It was the scared straight program, like the scared straight before Keenan uh, yeah. did that sketch. So uh, Matt was an inmate and Martin Lawrence was an inmate and they were talking to the the. the the group in there and when he was talking about it was an interesting play on the catchphrase because he was talking about his life and he's like i had it all van river the whole kit and caboodle so he didn't say i lived in the van down by the river he he mixed it up a little bit and that's something that i noted that i thought was really clever writing i thought it was great yeah that's true and also like for all of us, like at any time in your life that you ever saw like a van near a river, like you're definitely thinking of Matt Foley. Like this person just like breaks 100%. through everything. So, so uh, Will, anything else on Matt Foley? Uh, the only thing, and this might just be SNL urban legend, but I heard that that during the dress for that sketch for the original Matt Foley, that probably didn't break the table, and then he waited till the actual oh. live, like waited to the live show. So you can kind of see when he goes through. You see Christian Applegate and Spade both kind of like instinctively jump like to see and he gets right back up. So that could just be an SNL urban legend. But I've heard that that's something that he had waited to take it to the next level too for when I was there. To the live I heard the same thing too, Will. And uh, I, I was kind of looking for it when I rewatched the sketch. And you could even see there was a little bit of surprise on the faces of Phil Hartman and Julia Sweeney uh, during yeah, the sketch yeah. too. And, you know, Phil and Julia, you know, try to keep it straight and everything but i think there was just a little bit of hint of surprise that they kind of like looked at chris like oh man like he really went through that <laughs> okay table. yeah yeah that's that's awesome to hear and our friend gelp in the chat says yeah it's, that's michael added it between dress and air okay yeah so i may i may have heard this before but i just completely forgot about that but that's that's an incredible note i mean obviously that's you know goes hand in hand with some of the other characters that we've seen where you know things get changed between dress and air and it uh it makes an impact so um that is a uh th- that does it for number two on the list and is a uh, pretty good way to transition over to number one on the list and like i said number two number one were pretty close in votes but uh this one definitely won out uh with just an overwhelming amount of votes on the list and this is a character that we saw uh if you thought 20 times was a lot for mary Catherine gallagher how about 22 times on the show for this character our uh favorite new york city correspondent our city correspondent stefan yeah, he is here. He is here. Stefan is here. Uh, most of you guessed it. Number one on the list, as known as the greatest character of all time. <laughs> Wilbur, is that, was that an invitation? All right, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, always here. So, um, you know, I remember where I was. I mean, I can't tell you that I remember where I was when I saw uh, Matt Foley for the first time, but I could tell you 
where I was when I saw Stefan and I was with friends we were watching the show and I lost it. And I don't mean uh, to clarify, by the way, because Stefan was in a sketch before you ever knew him on Weekend Update. I don't mean that one. I'm talking about starting in season 35 with Gabriel Sidibe. Uh, we saw uh, we saw Stefan on Weekend Update, as you know him, with Seth Meyers, where Seth uh, asked him for some tips on some destinations for tourists. And uh, I'll say, like, this was my heyday for going to clubs. So for me, this hit me in the right spot every single time where we would hear about which clubs he was going to, the kinds of people that would be there. Um, apparently this uh, character was inspired by a real person or a couple of people that Mulaney and Hater uh, had encountered. John Mulaney uh, wrote this, um, including a club promoter and a barista. The club promoter uh, apparently invited them to a club once and said that uh, one of the features was broken glass at the club. So that that was uh, probably what led to this. And then they met a uh, Bill apparently met a barista that was uh, very similar to this. So, John, you're oh. telling us that you would wake up at 7 p.m., then go home and then watch <laughs> SNL. Yes. <laughs> that was your Saturday yes. routine. That seems that seems about right. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, like I said, everything about this character hit the right spots for me. I mean, uh, loving Seth Meyers makes sense. Uh, his father's David Bowie. Uh, very fun. Uh, the Ed Hardy shirts always got me. Um, the use of the portmanteaus or wombos, uh, word combos that we get uh, throughout this. Um, there was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know that everything they would do now exactly about Stefan, but I think we can break it down a little bit. Um, obviously 22 times. So uh, twice in season 35, six times in season 36, five times in season 37, three times in season 38, once in season 39 during Seth's last episode and the last one in 38, by the way, the Ben Affleck one was the wedding, famous wedding one we'll talk about. Um, season 40, we got it twice, uh, once with uh, Bill Hader hosting and then during the 40th by Ed Norton and then once in season 43. All right. Uh, over to you, Will. What do you think about Stefan coming in here? What are your thoughts on this character? Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought that this was going to be the leader in the clubhouse going in. I mean, I, I was kind of in the Wayne's World camp. Like, could they be number one? But uh, seeing Stefan be number one definitely makes sense. I think that we talk about the character and the consistency of the performance. Um, you had one of the best cast members playing this otherworldly, just odd, you know, character in Stefan. Um, and just the beats that it hits every single time, like just delivers with, you know, it's always fun with update. People are not doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're at the desk. So giving these wild, you know, recommendations, you have hater who probably just in terms of why hit with the audience too, you know, obviously being able to play this character, but then add in his own talents of being able to make noises and do impressions and, um, then being able to bring in these odd references, um, having to have the anchors play with him and, you know, asking for clarification on the human, whatever it is that he's talking about. Um, and I just thought it was like a really fun and updates, obviously one of the most popular, um, segments of the show. And whenever Stefan shows up, you just know it's going to be five minutes of comedy. Um, a lot of fun writing with him and Elaine, you can hear him in his, in, in the things that he's saying. And, you know, I think definitely deserves to be number one. I'm sure I know we're going to talk about it a little bit more, so I, I'll, I'll stop here, but um, definitely makes sense as the number one character. Like I said, beloved, the, the applause he gets is apparent every time. So definitely thought he was going to be number one. Yeah, that's a huge element, by the way, about this character is the fact that Mulaney rewrote a lot of stuff between dress and air that got Bill Hader to laugh. The whole, you know, premise of this is the the prime character of somebody who's just trying to keep it together at least that's what we think is that bill is trying to keep it together but can't at certain times and i think that's what just makes this just go over the top funny thomas what about you what were your thoughts on stefan this was my prediction for number one before this countdown started and it deserves to be number one it, it would probably be not my number one and if i may this recurring character has everything. <laughs> it has like <laughs> it has similar beats. It's got escalation from appearance to appearance. So there, there was different things like the sound effects and the voices that Stefan used. There was more interaction between Stefan and Seth. Um, it culminated um, in the wedding at the end. There was clever writing, and you were right, Will. Like I totally was watching these, hearing John Mulaney's voice uh, in a lot of this. Um, it broke through in the mainstream, like people were dressing up as Stefan for Halloween quite a bit that I saw. Even um, to this day. Yeah, even to yeah. this day, Stefan's a Halloween character. It's quotable, 
it was a character that people like to imitate, like the mannerisms and appearance and the way he talks. Um, what makes it number one for me, though, because I think a lot of recurring characters have the, check those boxes in a lot of ways, but there were no diminishing returns in these appearances. I actually think his appearances got better as it went along. I think you could tell that Bill Hader and John Mulaney got into a groove writing this character. And to me, like I watched them in chronological order. And it got better for me. And by the end, it was just like it had me rolling. Like the first one was really good, but like it just skyrocketed. And to me, that the fact that there are no diminishing returns, um, it, it, that's what makes Stefan number one uh, in my book. Yeah, that, that's an interesting perspective on that. Will, do you agree that Stefan deserves to be number one, maybe because of that or for other reasons? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely that uh, deserved to be number one. I mean, I, I think I going in, it's probably like Thomas, it wasn't necessarily my number number one guest, but not net missed my personal number one going in. But watching all the sketches again, like one after the other, um, can definitely see why it is as it relates to the show specifically, mostly because it's like a movie that you're watching. If you watch all the sketches, all of his appearances in order, you're watching, you know, the first sketch and then you see you know, him coming with these, with these recommendations and Seth kind of being like, oh my gosh, and Stefan being very flirtatious. And then it kind of growing into this, you know, will, will they, won't they, you know, kind of theme, but then this writing is getting stronger, the breaking and the extremes that Mulaney goes through to make him break, I think grow too. So yeah, that connection between the writer and the performer, I think, I think back to the, I think the episode when Hater hosted and uh, Mulaney was no longer a writer and submitted changes for it that he wasn't expecting, even though he wasn't there. So it's like that kind of like as a fan of the show, when you had that kind of interaction with the writer and the performer, it progressively gets better. You feel like you're in this meta world. We're now in SNL canon. Seth Meyers is married to Stefan. Like that kind of stuff just makes that person so ingrained into the the show that it's hard to to find another character that has more depth in the show than uh, than Stefan. Yeah, and let me just say, I, I'm not saying like uh, John Mulaney didn't deserve to get where he was on his own, but I have to think that somewhere like through the path, there is like some connection from like Stefan and the fact that this character was so popular and everybody knew that John Mulaney wrote it. Who is John Mulaney? We get to meet John Mulaney on update. Mulaney gets his own show. It doesn't really work out, but you know, then he builds a stand up career. Like I have to feel like there's some like through line there. So for me, that's like an interesting aspect to this character. Um, Thomas, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And also if there was any, you know, references throughout the times on the show that you think are just like absolutely hilarious that people would want to know or want to be referenced. Yeah. So for the John Mulaney point, I think I've heard John Mulaney on podcasts say that like Bill Hader talking about how John Mulaney was involved in writing Stefan really boosted his career so so i mean john mulaney i think you know would agree with you and agree with that assessment definitely john um there was a line in it was a halloween episode in 2012 and there was a line that has just been in my mind it's been living rent free in my head since 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 then and one of the best laughs i've ever had on on snl so stefan um they were talking about like you know who's gonna who's at the club and he he tells steph have you heard of blackula the black dracula and steph says yes and stefan says well they have a jewish dracula seth says what's his name and stefan says sydney applebaum (laughs) and that just like the first time i heard that joke that just broke me like just unexpected. You thought it was going to be some sort of wordplay uh, and everything, like based Jewish Dracula, but he just named like a Jewish name, and for some reason, like that just like broke me. Like that had me dead. Like I don't think I, I knew. I don't. I don't think I finished watching the rest of the sketch when I first saw it because I was just like thinking about that line, and it was just there's just so many examples like that. Just like the most clever writing. Just, I think some of the most clever writing the show's ever seen, I think, is in those mm-hmm. Stefan pieces. For sure. And as the Jew on the panel tonight, I will say, uh, <laughs> the Sydney Applebaum, I think, was one of the most Googled uh, things that night, if I remember correctly. Everyone was like, who is Sydney Applebaum? I'm trying to figure out. Um, so that was, that was an amazing reference. Uh, will, what about you? Is there any like references or things about these sketches that you're like, ah, these are the best parts of the Stefans? Man, there's so many good ones. I think uh, I always enjoy. But, you know, because there's so many elements and so many beats within each one. Um, I do always enjoy the club names. I, I will say my, my favorite club name um, that he had is. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Hold on one second. Let me let me tee you up. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, New York's hottest club is 
Kevin. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, just one of my, that's just one of my favorite ones. It's like the, you know, Hater and Stefan like doing the look and adding the, the question and like that's the last child. Like it just kills me every time. Um, that's always really funny to me. And then I think just in general too, like Hater being able to add in like Stefan, you could just do Stefan and that's enough. But Hater coming in over the top with, you know, sound effects or, um, you know, his Spanish Seinfeld promo, you know, like things I, I want to attempt to do right now. But like those things that like only Hater could do, but he transitions, does that and then comes back right back to the character. I think just you said the Pierce performance and then also just the club names, I think are always really fun parts of that. that uh, hey, will. Will, I have that written down, the Spanish Seinfeld. He says uh, the vibe inside is strange yet familiar, like when you see billboards for Seinfeld reruns in a Puerto Rican neighborhood. <laughs> That's one of the ones that got me too. And then he did then he did his like Spanish announcer kind yes. of promoting Seinfeld. Yes, that was great. Yes. Yeah, yeah so I do they, think that the best the best part of this, Will, I was gonna say, is that uh just hater can just like switch over to other characters in the middle of Stefan and switch right back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so good. Also, um, yeah, I would say um, I, d- I think the first one that ever got me like really hard was when he was like, New York Hero Club is push. And <laughs> that one, that one always got me um, for sure. Like when, when I, like I said, when I was going out and we saw club names, we always said New York Hottest Club is whatever, where, wherever we were going tonight, um, even though we, I was in Montreal. Um, but, you know, that it really applied anywhere. And I think that was like, the fun of all of this um obviously uh you know one of the things we didn't talk about yet but just this excellent appearance of this character was during that ben affleck episode of season 38 that's you know last episode really for hater where we get the wedding and it sort of breaks format where they leave the weekend update desk and we get this pre-tape where we get to go down and we get to see all of you know them getting married and everybody at the wedding we get to see everybody throughout the pews at the chapel (laughs) and it's just absolutely hilarious to see all these characters come to life thomas how amazing is this moment that was that was amazing like the attention to detail with the appearances by the party goers that stefan had mentioned in previous pieces like we saw dj baby bok choy come in we saw the the german smurfs we saw the the menorah the explorer was there <laughs> like there was just such i just love the attention to detail with this with this just ridiculous premise and gimmick like if they're gonna do it let's do it and i i just I, I just love that. I love seeing these people who Stefan references in like physical form. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really just an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, Will, what did you think about this pre-tape when you saw this like culmination of everything Stefan? Oh, it's it's so good because it's just such it's such a payoff and such like it's great fan service too, right? Just because even with the start of it, where you have this accepted idea that Stefan's doing these you know suggestions and they're never what people are looking for. Um, and that he finally is like fed up and is like, you know, Seth Myers, I'm out of here and leaves. And like you said, you go and you have this pre-tape and you see all the references to everything, even with like you said, Ben Affleck being in the crowd and saying, you know, go get him, bro. And like referencing them being brothers in the first sketch, like all those things are just so cool. It's such a fun payoff for like a, a beloved anchor and then a beloved character with Stefan. Like you said, Tom's the attention to detail where you see, you know, Gurkle, you know, hanging out in the audience too. Like you just see everything that's in reference like a lot you know and come to true form and it's just a really cool fun fun payout for those two of us who enjoy watching out of his appearances and kind of tracking all those all that uh, all that fun word plays been doing over the years yeah it's uh it's just amazing thomas anything else on stefan that you would like to mention no, I, I mean, I could just sit here with you guys and quote things from Stefan for like the next two hours. So I'm gonna, I'll spare the the <laughs> listeners and viewers here. Uh, but this is just the most fun. I like, I light up when I talk about some of the jokes and beats uh, to Stefan. Like, this is just, um, I mean, our conversation here has reaffirmed like why I think it's number one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything else on Stefan? No, I think I think we covered that in the same way. Like I'll just be doing club references, so I'll just stop myself here. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, you both mentioned that this wouldn't have been your personal number one. Uh, I think the listeners would love to know what was your personal number one. And of course, we're going to go through uh, twenty-one through thirty in just a moment. So stay tuned. So, Will, what would what would have been your number one? You know, I think I know we're supposed to be judging these based on just what's done on the show, but I think going in, I thought it was going to be Wayne and Garth. 
um, just because in Wayne's world, I just feel like talking about some of the things that have been talked about from a great character standpoint, they're hugely recognizable on the show. Um, you could people, there's kids that still dress up as Wayne and Garth, exactly who they are nowadays. They had probably two of the most successful movies to come out of that are based on SNL characters in the history of the show. So they have that mainstream appeal as well. Um, so I thought they were going to be number one going in, but I think that there is, you know, can't complain with, um, you know, like I said, Stefan and, and the, the, the top three, top five, I think, uh, fans did a great job. For sure. Thomas, what about you? Who is your number one character personally? Uh, personally, uh, Stefan is, is actually my number oh, one character. Okay, yeah, good. definitely. So, so this really lined up, uh, I guess I'm basic as far as, <laughs> as far as that goes, but, uh, but, but it's, it's just so much fun. Um, I think some for some reason, uh, unfrozen caveman lawyer is one that I would probably personally put in like my top three that that wasn't was on the list, but but I would put up a little bit higher because I'm just such a, a a huge Phil Hartman stand. But um, but yeah, Stefan for me it was my prediction and my personal number one. For sure. And Chad, I would love to hear who your number ones uh, were as well, if you want to put those in the chat as well. Okay, so uh, that is 20 all the way through one. And just for the record, I think Stefan for me is my number one. Uh, Will, you wanted to jump in? That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask you what your number one was. Just to Yeah, like I have characters that I think are like, I are more like my I guess my personal favorite characters, I know that's what this is, right? Personal favorite characters. So I guess like there was a, there was characters and they're not even in like the top 30, but like personally, my favorite characters of SNL all time are the Dick in a Box guys. Um, that's just <laughs> me personally. Um, but like, I know that they're not like collectively the greatest SNL characters of all time. I just like really enjoyed them and they were impactful for me. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, for sure. Stefan to me is, is definitely, I think has a case for the greatest SNL character of all time and well-deserved um okay so we have 20 through one revealed on the podcast let's talk about the characters that just missed the list uh should i go 21 through 30 or 30 through 21 guys 30 through 21 30 through 21 all right, let's do it that way. Okay, so let's talk about number 30. Number 30 was The Culps. That would be Will Ferrell and Anna Gasteyer's uh, singing characters. Number 29 was Bronx Beat, the ladies from Bronx Beat, uh, Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph. Uh, Alex Moffat made the list. Number 28, Guy Who Just Bought a Boat, uh, got a definitely some votes uh number 27 we had the cheerleaders so that would be sherry o'terry and will ferrell's characters at number 27 uh number 26 a lot of people in the chat have been asking throughout these past few weeks when these characters were going to jump into the list some people even thought they'd be in the top three potentially uh these are the californians made the number 26 on the list so a ton of californians over there specifically uh obviously bill Hader and kristen wig fred armison as the californians uh number 25 is another kristen wig character gilly Made it there at 25, Gilly. Uh, number 24, another Will Forte uh, character uh, transitioning from Gilly over to McGruber, who I think a lot of people felt like should have been much higher up on the list, but McGruber comes in at number 24. Number 23, just finished at their convention, would be the Blues Brothers, in this case, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd's Blues Brothers. Number 22 was Adam Sandler's Opera Man. And number one, uh, sorry, number 21, just missing the cut here would be Al Franken's Stuart Smalley. Missing the cut there at number 21. So that is the top 30 characters as voted by you, the fans. So, uh, Thomas, any ones we missed on the list? Uh, I want to give a shout out, and I understand why he's not on, because it was more of an ensemble sketch but it's probably my favorite personally my favorite recurring sketch of all time outside of weekend update and stefan but deandre cole from what's up with that that's that to me that's that's the most joyful snl sketch in history in its 47 seasons what's up with that is the sketch that brings me the most happiness and joy and it's clever and everything but you know I would have liked to see DeAndre Cole in there just because of that, but I can understand like, you know, it was more of an ensemble thing and DeAndre Cole's not like he, he, he's the engineer of the whole thing, but he's not the main, I guess, you know, piece to that. So I get it, but I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned what's up with that on this yeah, podcast. That's, yeah. that's fair. And <laughs> that definitely, I think somewhere between 31 and 40 was DeAndre okay. Cole um, got there. Uh, Will, what about you? Any characters we missed on the list? So there's a couple that I was expecting. Um, some personal favorites, just in general. Um, Linda Richmond by Mike Myers um, doing Coffee Talk. I thought Brian Fellow might make the list. Um, 
It's <laughs> just a favorite of mine. I think uh, the Boston teens, uh, Jimmy Fallon and Rachel Dratch. Um, and then so, uh, girl, you wish you hadn't started a conversation without a party um, by Cecily. I thought that one might make the list as well, but um, he said, just, there's a lot to choose from. So everybody can't make it. Right. So, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I'm 99% sure that Linda Richmond was 31. Um, and a lot of the ones that you said were, were definitely close by. So um, those are all really good characters. Um, I'll throw a shout out to another character that definitely uh, like was not voted on many, time, many times, but just like hit me personally. Um, Jeff Montgomery, Will Forte's uh, <laughs> like sex offender character for me is uh, the, the original Jeff Montgomery sketch. I've, I've said this in the podcast before is uh, one of my favorite sketches of all time. So <laughs> for me, um, there's some uh, other characters here. And of course, everyone has their personal favorites but that's why we collect the community's votes to do this and uh this was a really fun podcast series i hope we're gonna get to do this again next summer as well where we'll pick like you know top something else and get to break them all down so we get those results for you as uh as the official results from the community okay Let's talk about what's coming up here on the SNL Network. So thanks for joining us the last uh, six weeks. Was it five weeks, six weeks to do uh, five weeks, uh, six weeks to break down these characters that we did? Uh, really fun way to get us through uh, some of the uh, dog days of August as we wait for SNL. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about SNL 48 next week on the podcast where we're going to have a super fan takeover on Labor Day next Monday. If you want to join us next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have the super fans coming on in. And uh, I've been told that this is going to be a talk about the state of Saturday Night Live. So they're going to talk about where we are in SNL coming out of 47, looking ahead to 48. They're going to talk about, you know, some of the, you know, rumored cast changes and things like that. You know, they know some people who left and, you know, potentially some people, some other people who might go and, um, you know, what it means, where SNL should head. I think it's going to be a really fun conversation for the Labor Day weekend. So if you want to check that one out. And then in two weeks from now, it will be the Emmys that night. So uh, we're going to try and do some second screen coverage of the Emmys to have something going on with the SNL network while you're watching the Emmys, breaking down some of the stuff that's happening there. Still working out the logistics on all of that. So stay tuned for us on social media where we'll explain exactly what we're doing and where we'll be live in a couple weeks from now. And of course, after that, uh, we're going to have some information about season 48. We will no longer be under embargo. So we can talk <laughs> about, uh, you know, really some of the other casts uh, that is no longer on the cast, which that has happened. There are people that are, you know, no longer on the cast that we don't know about yet. Uh, some of the hosts will come out so that will be uh, a lot of fun to get to talk about in a couple weeks can't wait to do that with all of you joining us as we ramp up to season 48 will thank you for joining us tonight you were so fantastic on the podcast really hope you will come back with us uh is there anything that you would like to plug where can the listeners find you online no i got nothing to plug um but i'm really happy to be here thanks for inviting me i'm hoping to see and be a part of the community and talk more about the show and season 48 and get caught up on what everything that's going on in the in snl and then I'm on Twitter. I'm just at W Norman. I've never tweeted, but you're still welcome to follow me. <laughs> yeah, interested. we'll have to get you more active. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us, Will. You were awesome. Uh, Thomas, always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Uh, please tell the listeners where they can find you and anything you would like to plug. Uh, yeah, uh, I would like to plug something really exciting that, that I've been working on. Um, uh, I was asked uh, to be a co-host for season two of the SNL Hall of Fame. Uh, Jamie Dew uh, hosted season one uh, last year, and so we're lining up. We're going to... Um, we're going to do a, a season two of the SNL Hall of Fame. So uh, just to remind people already in the Hall of Fame, we got Lauren Michaels, Dan Aykroyd, Chris Farley, Tina Fey, Phil Hartman, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, and Gilda Radner. Um, got a lot of exciting uh, guests and topics and nominees this time around, uh, including someone, a cast member who we may have spent a lot of time talking about uh, this evening. Um, some familiar SNL Network voices will be my guests this upcoming season, uh, including our very own John Schneider. Uh, here's going to be involved in a couple episodes. Um, I'll go ahead and say Buck Henry and Kristen Wiig are the episodes uh, that John's going to be a part of. So uh, definitely looking forward. That, that's kind of uh right up your alley right there so uh, definitely looking forward to that so um we're looking at early october it's going to coincide with the actual snl season uh, when we release uh, episodes so just um look out for that 
Yeah, that's awesome. Can't wait Very for that, cool. Thomas, to check out all the episodes. Um, you can find me at John Shire 24 if you ever want to talk SNL as we get uh, towards September and the excitement builds. Uh, you can find everything we're doing at the SNL Network on all social platforms and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I want to thank everybody for joining us so many weeks in a row to count down all of these characters. It's been really fun to get to interact with the chat. All of our patrons who joined us, I'd like to thank you for joining us and for all of your support. Like I said, if you'd like to join our patron community and podcast about Saturday Live, you can find us at patreon.com slash the SNL Network. All right, we will see you next Monday night with our super fan takeover. Have a great week, everybody. See you next time.